0: Well, I spoke this morning, but uh, tonight probably won't be anything. It will relate to the subject this morning, but it won't be anything like this morning because it's just me. I, you know, just don't seem to do be good on the repeats. Uh oh. Move away from the fan. Thank you. I mentioned this morning George is not here tonight, is he? Uh, Juanita's grandpa. It was, I just felt so young this morning. He's 20 years older than me. It was, so, But it was good. And I mentioned this morning that I was talking to him on Friday night at Juanita's 21st here in the church. What did I say, Juanita? She's young. Juanita's really young. Where is she? She's out with the kids. That's all right. <clears throat> Talia's 21st. And um, the thing that I was really pleased about, because I've always had this belief in my heart from Scripture, reading from Scripture that um, Paul and many of the other... I'm ringing a bit, my end. Am I ringing? Oh. Thanks, Jude, for your support. <laughs> my ears. <laughs> oh. Okay. And um, he is just a guy that... And his brother was there, who's young. He's only 78. And his wife, and they were there. And I was sitting over there with them on... But it was so good. He was talking about the possibility of God using him to start another church and this and that. <laughs> he's he's eighty-four, and I'm thinking, you know, and well, God used us to help do something with the young adults. But it's who you are. But I've always believed the Scripture says that, in, and I mentioned it this morning, and I wanted to say this for some that are my age or older, that the most fruitful, and this is absolutely true. I am ringing. You are. Yeah. Gee. On a not ring, is it off-putting for me? I don't know if it's off-putting for you. There we go. There we go. We're good now. We're good to go. Um, that the most fruitful part of our lives, according to Scripture, is the end. God's good like that. You know, sometimes it, whatever we do in life, you get a good beginning, full of energy, and, and we think, and we sort of fizzle out. And you know what? We've got to the point in churches where you know, I don't know. As time goes on, we just seem to things just slow down, run out of energy, enthusiasm, whatever it is, but that's not the way God planned it and that's not the way he wants it. And I've just got a real strong belief tonight that he wants to do business with all of us. This morning, it was hard in a sense, that I really felt that I was, I, I, I drew some comparisons about following Jesus. That's the theme tonight, about following Jesus personally, being discipled by him, as it were, Personally. You know, think about it, because we get so many things where it's almost I don't know, in teaching in church life where, you know, it's like this and it's like that and with this and that. But you know, our God is a personal God. And and I believe one of the reasons that the church and denominations and whatever lose the power and the and, and the impact that Jesus had personally is because we start following movements. Maybe we model or disciple ourselves after the church or the leaders. And none of these things necessarily are bad, but it's not the best. We're told that we've got to follow Jesus. We've got to follow him. Because the world we're living in is a scary place, as we see on the news. But I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely convinced that uh, the time we're living in, God is ready to do something and he's always ready to do something, but he's got to get us ready. He's got to get his people ready. He's got to get that fertile soil. The Bible calls it, you know, the uh, cultivating the soil in our hearts. And I believe this congregation, even though this morning, if you listen to me, you might have got the mistake that I'm not, a, I'm not for church and structure and organisation. I am. But the organic kind, the kind that we we're connected together, and it's God that brings us together, and it's real. But we've got to follow Jesus. And I want to read a couple of scriptures in John. Judy was already there in John chapter 10. And verse 27 of that same chapter, Jesus speaking, read a letter, My sheep recognise my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Some of us, maybe someone here tonight needs to know that. You're a Christian, you think, you know, I've just fallen back. I've slowed down and... And I've been at a point where I'm worried about my salvation as a Christian. I really have. I just thought, you know, I've just lost it. But God and Pastor Ben want, you know, want, felt that this month we need to really talk about being followers of Jesus. And it's absolutely true. We need to be followers of Jesus. My sheep here recognise my voice and follow me. How close are we meant to follow Jesus? You know, there it's real personal. My sheep recognize my voice. Now, I'm all for leaders and pastors and gifts and that sort of thing. We need them. There's gifts. But I think somehow, think about this, all of us, think about it. Have we got away from the point where we often don't see our relationship with Jesus as a personal thing, being personally discipled and following him? Because as I suggested this morning, maybe our DNA, maybe our discipleship is to a church, more so. Maybe, think about it, when people become Christians, what do we teach them? Attend church. Read your Bible. None of these things are bad in themselves. But when we look back at the early church and the model Jesus said, it was always personal. It was always to that person. It wasn't about, here's to build the structure of the church. It was to build the person, the character, his disciple. And they would be Connected. And I really believe tonight, the time we're living in, God is calling us to be followers, to be disciples of him. And you may say, well, that's so simplistic and it's real. I'm a disciple. Well, I don't know about you, but I think I've somehow, in some way, drifted away from being his personal disciple. It's true. And I've got to the point where I saw the the faults, the flaws, the failings of when you actually model yourself and be discipled by a church, and I'm not talking about bad churches, but there's a difference, because as I suggested this morning, or reminded us that many of us, and Jesus said it in in the scriptures here, in the last days, many will fall away, many will follow teachers that will teach them what they want to hear. So the Scriptures are clear and showing us that if we go back to our human nature, we will want to be discipled by those who tell us what we want to hear. But that's not the way Jesus wants to do it. And I believe tonight that he's going to call us afresh, as it were. And you know, the thing is, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian. It doesn't matter whether you're born again. It doesn't matter whether you've been a leader or a pastor or you're a young Christian or not a Christian tonight. The voice of Jesus Christ is here with all of us calling them. Come to me. I won't cast you out. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any of you, any, any of you will open up, I'll come in. And you'll hear my voice. That's a promise tonight. And I think some of us that have been around for a while need to hear that again. We need to hear his voice. He says, My sheep, hear my voice. They follow me continuously. And we're living in a time when there's so many suggestions that the church does this and the church does that and we try to be fashionable and we try to be relative and everything else. Jesus is always relative. He's always on track and if we become his disciples and we connect where God's connected us and for me it's here. We're going to do what God wants us to do. I'm excited about what God wants us to do. The focus must always be on him and it's exciting. Is a scripture I had in uh, John 15. Most of you know this really well. How close are we, are we to follow Jesus? And we need to think about how close or in what ways. You know, we know, I know that many of us are like his hands, his feet. If you have this gift, we need to minister to one another. But we, I think we've got away from this personal connection with Jesus we need to get back to it. We need to talk about him as being here. Not, oh, he's the third person of the Trinity or second person of the Trinity and he's sort of only here by his representative the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's here. John 15, verse 1. Jesus speaking again. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I've given you. Listen to this. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. It is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, I will produce much fruit. I want to tell you tonight, Joyce, you will produce fruit. It's a calling. You know I was thinking tonight when one of the traditions in, in, in the Pentecostal movement that I was saved in and raised in, I guess, was that you'd have visiting preachers who had a prophetic gift, I guess, in their life, and they'd call out someone for prayer. None of would know this. And you'd often hear the words, "Brother, sister, you have a call of God on your life." And, you know, we know what they meant. Oh, you have leadership ability. You know, it, it sounds good and it's not bad, but it's far from the truth. Because every single one of us have a call of God in our life. And it says, give greater honour to that lesser gift. So we shouldn't be giving great honour to the ones that are pastors. Yes, if you've got that call, brother, I believe you're called to be a leader. I believe you're called to be a, an evangelist or whatever. But the call of God on your life is upon you. Jack, it's upon you. It really is. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away. Wow, that's pretty heavy. Like a useless branch and withers, such branches are gathered and thrown into a pile. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you will ask any request you like. Wow. Wow. You know, there's a downside, but there's an upside. Jesus is a real. There's promise here, and it's his words. But if you stay joined to me, my words remain in you. You may ask any request you like. I don't know about you. I get frustrated when I don't see the miracles that Jesus said would happen, happen. And I've searched it, and I've thought about it. And maybe, you know, churches and leaders and people take the glory to themselves, and God says he's not going to share that glory. So maybe that's why we don't see the miracles. But you know what? I believe he wants a church where every single member that knows they're called of him, that they're a disciple, that they're a follower. So no one gets the glory but Jesus. I believe that time's coming. It is. It is. It is. When we're going to see those miracles. The other night when I was talking to those beautiful folk, he and I hadn't met before. There's one lady who had crushed her hand two or three years ago. I think it was Great Arties. <laughs> uh, um, Deidre. And as soon as I saw her, it's interesting. I didn't have this, I'm a Christian, I should pray for her. I just had this compassion come on my heart. You know what? I didn't pray for her because I was shocked that I got this movement. You know what often happens when we're in our meetings at our place and we start just wanting to encourage one another and you feel the love of God and the compassion and you do that. And I thought, maybe that's a little bit of what it feels like to keep following Jesus when you feel his heart for someone now I don't know if I missed. I guess I missed it, you know. Like I should have prayed for her, but it, but I was just. I just wanted, It was just. I just felt that love and compassion, I wanted to pray for it. And I thought about it. I said, "Gee, maybe it could. Have, the miracle could have happened then." You know, she was struggling with it for two or three years after, with nerves and tendons and everything else. Lovely lady. But that's. I believe what God wants to put in us, where it's not about. You know, we're obligated to pray or this and that. Because Jesus always went around healing those who were oppressed of the devil as he was moved with compassion. And friends, you know, when we're his disciples, it's not about, oh, we can get them to church and get them in the prayer line. That's not a bad thing, but that's not the way Jesus did it. You see, if we're discipled to him, we do it the way he did it. And we start thinking like him. You know, that voice, we are singing songs tonight. And we say, we, you know, God wants us, when we're followers of him, we hear the voice. <laughs> We hear the voice. I said this morning, you know, like, when, we, when we're discipled by Jesus, we don't have a, a, a formula or a way we deal with certain sin. One of the frustrations with me as a, a minister in the denomination I was in that when certain ministers got caught, you know, hiring R-rated videos or drinking too much or, or gambling or whatever it was, you know, they were debating at a, uh, a leader's conference what the discipline should be. How biblical is that? To me, if our saviour was there, what would he do? If you do? He would be positive. He wouldn't ignore the facts. He'd say, why? If you follow me, if you get rid of that, if you, if you let me fill your heart with love, you won't need that. We should be concentrating on prevention rather than what it is even, not even the cure, it was discipline. For heaven's sake, where is that in the Bible? But these are godly men, these are good men and women, but it's just we, just, we, we compare with one another. We're discipled by what? By a denomination, by a culture. Instead of we've got to get discipled by Jesus and his word and what he said and how he done things. I read this morning, I, I probably went for about 30, 40 minutes this morning, but I'm only planning to go for about 10 or 15 minutes. Why? Because I, I, I want to leave room for the Holy Spirit and He's speaking to you. For you, I, I just got this feeling we're going to get at least a dozen, because that's a good disciple number. We're going to get a dozen people that have heard the voice of God tonight, whether it's through me speaking or just the Spirit of God speaking to you, where you know I'm hearing the voice of God to call me to follow Him. You know, you could be born again. You could respond it in prayer, and I don't be, oh, I don't downplay or belittle those repent repentive prayers. And people are born again, but Jesus has called us to follow Him. Be born again, follow Me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That's the call. But think about it how how often or how many churches have as their there a membership requirement, discipleship, following Jesus. The Bible, uh, the the Holy Spirit does. I mentioned this morning, Second Chronicles, I think it's nineteen sixteen nine. I think it is. It said, "The eyes of the Spirit of God going to and fro through the whole earth." What does it say tonight? The eyes of the Holy Spirit are going to all of us, not to judge us. Who's ready? Who's loyal? The Bible says it's for a loyal heart that's willing to obey all that I command. That's all he wants, a willing heart that's willing to follow him. And so it doesn't matter who we are tonight, there's a voice, if your heart's open, if you're hungry, where God's calling us to follow him. I want that. I need that. You know, and there's been times in my life when I've experienced that, not really knowing what I was doing, to be honest with you. But I just wanted to get close to him. I knew that's where the answer was. Make, go into the world and make disciples. And you know what? <laughs> Please hear me. I'm not bagging churches or their programs or their vision statements or mission statements or, or what else. But we've got to get back to the simplicity and the basics of what Jesus said and how he did it. Go into the world and make disciples. Teach them all the things I've commanded you it's about him. It's not about us and not about our church. But I tell you what, this is, this is what I call fertile ground where we are in this church. So if you make a decision to respond to what you believe the Lord's calling you to do in following him, you're in a good place where people are going to encourage you to do that and support you. And we need that. It's not going. To, Pastor Ben's not going to say, no, no, that's not where we're going. I'm pretty confident he'll say, that's where we're going. And I read a list this morning, and I want to finish with this. I'll find my list here. I added one to it before tonight, since this morning. If you are a follower of Christ, and please, it might sound condescending, but, and I'm not, you may have done this, you may have never stopped being a follower of Christ in this, in this way, and this so personal but the Bible teaches me that followers of Christ, this is what's going to follow you. This is what's going to be the lifestyle that you experience. You're going to be friends with sinners. You may be criticised for it. Why? Because Jesus says, if you follow me, what they accuse me of, they're going to accuse you of. Let's be prepared for what may come. And we're not talking about, as Paul says, don't go and you know, do their sinful acts with them. It means being real friends with them, ready to support them, ready to walk with them, ready to help disciple them. You're going to have a reputation. At the moment, I don't think I've got a reputation, to be honest with you. But the Bible says that all Christians are going to get a reputation. It doesn't mean you're going to be loud and obnoxious and rude and whatever. Because if you follow Jesus, you're going to do what Jesus did. And you're going to get a reputation. It may be misunderstood, but it's going to be a reputation that's a good one. You will at times be misunderstood, but you will do amazing things. The promise of Scripture is He he did it here. You may ask any request you like, and it will be granted. And He just wants your loyalty. He just wants you to follow Him and be committed to Him above all else, even our beautiful pastor. You will definitely, you will act differently, sorry, to most people. As Judy was saying, in times of trial and stress and pressure and hurt and loss. And I was talking to Mary, I think it was this morning. The, the crisis, they're going to come more and more. What happened in New Zealand. And guess what? You know, Christians attempted to put, throw judgments on that are they Muslims or they're this or that? I've heard it already. And as she, she was talking to me, you know what, the Holy Spirit, this was after the service, the Holy Spirit says, just imagine if that guy got converted. He's arrogant. It's demonic what he's done. No matter how wrong we think someone is or a religion is, imagine if he, truly was converted and if we prayed for him and he's repentant, wow there's a different story, there's a different testimony, just an idea we'll give wisdom and encouragement often and I've got to say it's not of our doing with the young people and I think a lot of you could testify sometime towards the middle or latter end of last year, our church felt the influence of the young adults in our church I did. I learned a lot. Because they were allowing Jesus to disciple them. So they want to go out and disciple these other young ones. And for speaking to the older ones here, we should have been setting that example. But how, they're not here, they're out there. If we as a group, or enough of us can say, I'm going to humble myself and just responded God's called afresh and I'm going to follow just like a brand new Christian how much encouragement to those young ones could we be? you think about it it'll change I never thought you know just encouraging somebody could encourage them and they could come back and it's and it's helped to change and pastor Ben's heart and their heart has helped to change what God's doing here and I've lost my list. Here it goes. One of the things that happens in our group, and it's the Holy Spirit's doing it, it's not me or Judy. They give encouragement to each other all the time. There's not one bad word in a whole year. There's not one argument in a whole year. There wasn't one agenda. We didn't come, you know, with our own ideas. And it's like God taught me see what happens if you let me be in control I'm not against structure and and formal Bible study, we started doing that at Doug's place, do you understand you hear what we're saying, give God room let him disciple us as followers of Christ we'll stand out from the crowd even in quietness and peace we're not talking all becoming loud like Judy and myself or somebody else followers of Christ will hunger and thirst for constant and ongoing change. This is what I found historically with people my age, you know, we just get this our back up. Well, I've always been a Christian. I've always been disciple. If you look at the life of Paul and Peter and those guys, they constantly had to check themselves. And Revelation when as I said this morning when Jesus wrote to the seven churches, only uh, two of them got any sort of real recommendation. Five of them had to really pull their socks up. It's interesting you wrote to the church because the bad habits affected the whole church. Just imagine if that church, those churches, taught every single person to go to, to, to uh, Jesus for their discipleship. It doesn't mean you don't have mentors and you know we help each other. Of course we do. But it helps keep those errors and flaws and deceptions out. We'll influence others, our family and friends. And I said this morning, this is a bit controversial. If you're a follower of Christ, you may not be a church member. But you'll always be connected to the body. Church membership is optional but we must be connected to the body. I've had opportunities, as I said this morning, where I've tried to change a whole denomination because I thought I saw the errors. I could have been right. Then I tried to change a church, change a culture. That's hard work. I do that a couple of times. You get frustrated. We've got friends that are ex-ministers. They're out of the ministry, out of church, bitter. Because we don't come back and point the finger and blame. And and you can see error is easy in in the body of Christ. But I hope that if I change and become a better disciple and a fresh disciple that they can see that there's something different. There's hope for them. Nothing sadder is there for leaders or pastors to be out of fellowship and cut off, not trusting churches or structures or denominations. And we wonder what would have happened if someone told them to allow themselves to be discipled to Jesus rather than the church. That's not the whole story of it, but you can see how Jesus laid it down for us can help us avoid so many problems and tonight he's here afresh and you may be comfortable in your heart to say yeah, I I just want to be on on track I want to be a good disciple I want my life to make a difference. Because I'm, uh, uh, you know, Judy hates it when I talk about death. uh, Because she knows I've been talking about it a lot lately. But when you've nearly died two or three times in the last three years, you you get to think about it a little bit. But I want another 20 plus years. And I'll tell you why. For a couple of reasons. I don't want to die. I mean, who wants to die? But I want to spend time with my grandkids. And I want to make a difference in the kingdom. I'm not planning to pastor a church. I'm not planning to take up anything. But I just want to be what I need to be in Jesus. Have a good disciple. And whatever that means to you guys as a friend and someone else, then I hope it makes a difference. Because when you look at what the disciples were, you know, the ones who were thrown in prison, if you don't shut up, we're going to kill you. You know, that's a bit of pressure. And they looked at him and said, these guys are uneducated. They're just ordinary men. But we can tell they've been with Jesus. And you know what? Jesus may not be here in, physically, but he's here in person. And he's here for you tonight. He's here to call you. You may never, never have heard it that way. Someone may have said, you want to surrender your life and give it to Jesus, and you may have been born again. But we all need to know that we're called to be his followers, to be a disciple. And I might ask the band to come back and and sing a. am guaranteed that Jack's got an appropriate song. But not because I'm asking you, because your heart is hungry. You felt the Holy Spirit in some way tonight calling you. And I know Pastor Ben often asks you to just pray and you don't need to come out the front. But I think when Jesus is calling us to follow him, maybe it's a good thing to come out the front. As a stepping point, a starting point, you know. I, like many people, on New Year's resolutions, yeah, I'll start tomorrow, exercise, you know. You're losing weight, I'll start. But God knows if your heart's hungry. He knows if you're willing and wanting to be loyal to Him. And He will not leave you on your own. He will come and fill you and strengthen you and empower you to be who you need to be and who He's called you to be. And that's a great promise and it's a great hope. So as we close tonight and, and just continue to worship Him, if, if that's your call and your response, it's you and God. And I would encourage you to be connected afresh to Him and, and make that pledge, if you like, to be discipled. I want to be a disciple for whatever reasons, for your family, for your kids, for your grandkids. Amen? Let's stand together as we sing. Just come out the front if, if that's your response and, and we'll get some of the prayer team to